0: Philadelphia, look at you, waking up Wednesday morning, getting ready for the Crossing Broadcast. Philadelphia Phillies, look at you, not letting bloggers come to the Iron Pigs banquet. Oink, oink. 97.5, 97.5 the fanatic look at, you. look at you a great sports station building a day's worth of programming on the billy Penn curse <laughs> philadelphia 76 look at you crossing the pond to go play a basketball game in a country we declared independence from.
1: Do they eat cheesesteaks there, sir?
0: And finally, no. Adam Lefko. Look at you. <laughs> Stiff arming the crap at a Cordell Patterson in a bleacher report video. Now some people might say that we are underdogs, but that's okay. We've always been underdogs. That's what our city is all about. Need I remind you, Rocky, see our broadcast. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and that was Russell Joy, a.k.a. E-Rock, a.k.a. Joy on Broad. That was really good, Russ. Your invitations continue to uh, impress
1: the look at you refrain is just look beautiful. Look at you. Look at you. <laughs> and does he even say that? Yeah, or did he does. You just, does. he? Oh, he does it a lot. He does, he does, a does lot. it a lot. Yeah, we can definitely hear him saying it. I just I wasn't sure. Oh, man. So,
2: so I saw this in the Slack chat yesterday. A lot of you getting upset about Rock. I didn't see what caused this. What happened? Um, he, was it the Rocky reference?
0: like the whole the video as a whole or i didn't see the video okay so the video let me let me set the stage for this if you haven't seen it everybody you
2: introduce who eric is
0: i
1: yeah yeah i'll do that part and then you could explain the other part right. adam your mic's just a tad low by the oh, way Oh, sorry um so yeah for those who don't i think most people listen to this would know Rock, but if they don't he's he's on twitter at the mighty eric and he he used to work for the eagles um and he, he's become kind of like the eagles video vlogger youtube blog vlogger extraordinaire who uh you know shit talks with other fan bases he's sort of like the new age sean whatever that guy who wears the pads is like ah, Rock is like sean 2.0 for the sean for the with new an millennium. Online account yeah exactly so he shows up at um you know all the when they're broadcasting outside xfinity and he holds up the clever sign each game and all that stuff and they've they have a podcast now and a and the website and you know so it's fine like i I have nothing against him personally really but we were just poking fun at him in the slack chat because he's his videos are a little ridiculous like he's he's somewhere into his deep 30s and i think has kids like i don't know he just it's just weird. Like, so the
0: the, the self proclaimed mighty Peter Pan, <laughs> mighty E Rock, he um he cut this black and white video, and I, the first thing I thought was, wow, this guy looks like Joe Pesci, and then I looked at him and I'm like, this looks like what used to be an old NWO promo. Like I was expecting Kevin Nash and Scott Hall to total come into wrestling frame
2: wrestling promos,
0: and uh, yeah, it, that that was what it was, and it he's got. Sixteen thousand-ish followers, and I—I'm just trying to understand. Like the worst part was, I looked at the comments on the video, and it's people going, "Oh, you get a me rock, yeah, yeah." This has me hyped for this weekend. I'm like, why is this? Why? Why are there people who are hyped by this? And then somebody's like, "The Eagles should really be playing this pregame. That'll get the team excited. The team is really." I, I don't know if they're ready for the game yet, but I guarantee that if you put that up there, they're gonna pwn some noobs. I'm like, I, I can't. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I think there's like two different.
2: Is it That's bad the... that I kind of like E-Rock's hype videos? Because it, because I just take it as a wrestling promo, and the 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 position he serves in the Eagles fan base is serving his base, which is. He's going to give you exactly what Eagles fans want to hear, with no like. The, it's not factual. It's just like, here's the one fact that you need to know. And this week, I feel like the fact that he brought up Rocky is the reason he upset a lot of people in the Slack chat. Which uh, he know, didn't actually
0: people. say Rocky. He just said like the city has under like the city has an underdog heritage or something. Yeah.
1: See, I think I, I think he serves
0: certain. Yeah, I don't think people had a problem with the Rocky
1: thing. I just think people think he's ridiculous um and he came at me for stealing one of his t-shirts uh which like nine people were selling went shirts and wait we was that one. when
0: we were at the uh the no the fundraiser for the M- museum of sport where he showed up wearing a suit no tie the shirt unbuttoned like three buttons with a gold chain and sunglasses on
1: uh it's a that good was, look that was after that so no look. he he came he came uh He came at me that day, kind of jokingly, because I had retweeted one of his uh, something he said, and and, like with a collective eye roll. And and before even come up and saying hello, he sort of like cornered me with that. And then a few months later, it was the he jumped all over me for stealing one of his shirts, which I did not. We just happened to be two different people selling a -a Wensamania shirt. That, by the way, very few people actually bought. Like, go for it. Um, So, but I feel like your point about him serving. Eagles fan. He serves certain Eagles fans. And that's right. what I was gonna say. It's like there's so and the reason we're talking about this, because there's like a little bit of a conversation to be had about how crazy like the Philly online community, and when you think about how many people cover the team, and the fact there's two radio stations and now technically two sports TV stations, and how many of these podcasts, and it's like everybody there's so many lanes. Like what other city has, you know, the YouTube guy who riles up the the hardcore crazies? Like that to me, he is not speaking to our audience. Even though we both have podcasts and we're online, like that audience is way different than this audience. And and I'm sure the Bleeding Green audience is way different than this audience and the 975. Like there's just so many like little narrow sects of audience. And I think uh, if you look at the mainstream, like like the two radio stations or Comcast, they had always served, even Philly.com, everybody because there weren't that many choices. And I think where they're struggling in some ways, like to, to find identities, and I don't know if there's an answer for this, is it's because you have, you know, each little niche of the fan base, the hardcore, the hardcore nuts who are going to travel to games just eat up E-Rock stuff. The guys who have like nine to five jobs and, you know, aren't like living and dying with every single snap, I feel like are kind of our audience. Then you have the bleeding green guys who are the analytical guys and stuff like that. And it's like, you know, and and that leaves all of the mainstream sitting at the top, sort of trying to pull from each group. I don't know. It's that's my You
2: mentioned
0: analytics. Take. Can I No, ca- it is
2: very interesting.
0: Really quick, Kevin Kincaid on the website, for those who didn't read it, um, he wrote a, a pretty deep analytic dive into the Sixers that I got I got a real good rise out of. And I had an even better time on Twitter yesterday. Nice. Yesterday was like the day that I just got frustrated with humanity. And there was a guy who was who, like, made this snide remark at Kincaid's article being posted on Twitter as um, we know that they have issues with turnovers and and fouls. It's the offense. We all know it's the offense's fault. And no matter how many correct stats or intelligent arguments you would make, this guy would just keep saying, then why is Golden State so much better? Like, they have three or four potential future Hall of Famers. Like, that's part of it. And then finally I said, "All right, give me a stat that will will make this case for you." And the guy goes, "Well, very clearly the the offense has gotten worse. It's regressed over time." And I said, "Okay, specifically what?" And he goes, "Scoring." Scoring yeah. or shooting. The, and I and so oh, the I point did you're a,
1: tra- I th- you I think people who didn't read Kevin's thing should know what you're talking about here. So Kevin wrote a really good piece about how the Sixers turned the ball league in turnovers and his whole point was we shouldn't worry that much because it's part of the way they play. They fire off something like 20 more passes per game than the second-place team. Yeah. I mean, something absurd. And their pace is second in the league. You know, they're right up there with the Warriors. The Warriors are third in turnovers, and it doesn't affect them. And his whole point was the amount they move the ball, they should be turning it over more. Yes, could they cut down a little bit? But, like, there's a philosophical argument to be made here as to whether the Sixers have a turnover problem or is it just a style of play? Is it just a feature of their style of play or a side effect of their style of play that good teams are able to, you know, uh, plaster over but the Sixers aren't quite good enough shooters and they have guys like JJ Redick who are too often in position to you know pass the ball or run off a pick and roll and um, you know they need more players in those positions and it was a really good thoughtful piece and the the guy Russ is talking about just responded he said no clearly it's not the turnovers
0: clearly anyone who could tell the problem is the offense and he so I finally did a split for this guy and october/november versus december/january their offensive rating is up their true shooting percentage is up and their effective field goal percentage is up the guy went away
1: russ wanted an online fight everybody clapped for him i Yay, feel
2: cuz nobody wins an online fight i think guy on twitter i think it's you yeah i think to kyle's point about the personality thing we're in a really interesting time where not just mainstream places but also regional places and not just television but also print and everything are all looking for someone to pop. And what happens is, is they try and make their own people pop. But the problem is, is once you have the title of being an employee somewhere, all of your authenticity goes away. So what happens is, is you have people like Rock come up where they acquire a large fan base authentically through their own means. And then I can guarantee you that he is probably going to get attempted to be scooped up by somebody soon. Oh my it's God. About,
0: WIP retweeted it. I'm sorry.
2: It, it's about acquiring fan bases. That's the same reason why you're seeing local sports stations picking up podcasts because there's a fan base that comes along with them. This happens all the time at a huge company like Bleacher Report where ah. we have yeah well look my, no, i I'm think going. that no he's 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 sipping his his coffee russ you can suck the fattest one because every time i what? say bleach report kyle takes a sip i'm i'm not dumb but what i think <laughs> what? is is that <laughs> bleach. kyle can you just <laughs> see you say it
1: oh yeah shit <sighs> Go you ahead, go ahead uh <laughs> wait, <what>? thanks <laughs> thanks for
0: pointing that out Russ. <laughs> He hadn't no, noticed I that. No, I thought, that thought I had absolutely noticed that. I thought, I thought it. that Lefco was just, you know, I thought he was just thinking that you were like, going, like, 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 you're in a fight with your wife. No, we no, talked about this before. Yes, we, we've talked yeah. about it
2: before. Uh, but, Russ, I appreciate your innocence. But what I think is, fun, no, but we see it. I see look it at, at my you. company where. Look at you, bleach a report with Ooh. your podcast. <sighs> um. But what happens is, is people pop and then you go and acquire them to get their fan base. And I could see this with, um, I could see maybe NBC Sports Philadelphia doing that. I could see the radio stations doing that. And I could see regional websites like BillyPenn.com. Those places can Ooh, reach out. Not
1: Billy Penn just laid off uh, their sports department of one and I think some others. Uh, this week.
2: It, well, then they sound ripe to go and get something like this. Just, I, so I don't always think the, when you get rid of your sports department, it doesn't mean you're getting rid of sports. It just means we might not want to pay people to go to games anymore, but if you're going to make videos that have a chance to go viral multi-times a week, that might be worth it for our bottom line because we can leverage ad sales against video content.
1: Yeah, no, I I get your point. Uh, I just think Billy Penn is like <laughs> is not making... Any money? Yeah, um, I don't. I never understood that even around. But yeah, I, I get your point. And I think um, you know, I mean, Erock has done uh, the Fox. You know, I, I've been on been on it too. But he's been on Fox Good Day. But the thing when you uh, you the main some of the mainstream outlets, they don't know how to use those people. So for instance, and so for instance, when Erock was on, I think I remember Mike Jarrick asking him about. So what do we know about the Eagles' injuries? Like, what do you know? Right? Oh, Shit. Right. Yeah, I yeah, saw yeah.
2: that too, and I was like, "Why the fuck would you ask that guy?" In that you question? may
1: have been the guy who made that point, actually, I think I in the did. Slack. Yeah, and it's like they—they're not exact you you bring this guy on, and he just comes into the studio with the label of sports guy or Eagles guy, and they're not sure what to do with him. I've—I was on a couple years ago during the Flyers playoffs, and they're like, "Hey, so what do we know about the game tonight?" I'm like, you know, I, that's not really me. Like, I'm not the—I'm not here to break down, you know, a hockey game. I ostensibly it was i on for, you know, whatever other reason, but they kind of take people who are like, Hey, they're from this little thing and we'll put them on and ask them the most basic questions. And then I th- feel like that is partly where things lose authenticity as well. There was a, um, someone retweeted an article yesterday, uh, either from the outline or the verge about Will Smith, um, becoming a vlogger and, Oh
2: yeah. And he they just got Instagram
1: right and someone was like well it looks like he and but he's doing these like highly edited youtube videos now like the way so many do and someone made the point like well vlogging just jumped the shark like you know rest in peace because now you have celebrities doing what the no names were doing and one of the points they made in the article which i thought was really interesting is typically the people who build up fan bases were ordinary people who made their lives seem interesting and they build up a fan base and with like when you take a celebrity or a known quantity or you can even like impart this to like a mainstream media outlet. When you take those people, they already kind of have interesting lives and now they're trying to make them seem almost less interesting and authentic to try and win over this a crowd that is used to just liking people for authentic reasons. Um, I thought it was an interesting point. Like it's a total di- – it, it's like you're trying to sell something sell something to people who are looking for something else. Um, the example I would use is like, if you had a, a video of, um, I don't know, whatever reporter, uh, you know, well-known sports illustrator reporter walking through the halls of the national championship game, showing you behind the scenes, you'd be like, okay, that's cool. I, you know, I've seen that there's this stuff online, but if you had like everyday Joe fan or like me, me local blogger who, you know, doesn't normally get to do that stuff. Somehow it's different when it's like the average guy put into these cool situations. Does that make I sense?
2: Would, yes, and I would actually Like, E-Rock recommend- doing
1: it would be cool, but like seeing Dave Spadaro do it, you're like, well, yeah, of course Dave has access yeah, to the goof. tunnel.
2: I would recommend uh, that you guys check out this podcast. It's the last one, the latest one from James Andrew Miller, the guy that wrote the ESPN book, the CAA book, the Saturday Night Live book, but he has a podcast called Origins, and the last one that he put up was about how PTI started. And... It's all about how it was like eight people in a room that were in D.C., that were nowhere near ESPN, and they just did weird crap and it worked. And that's the issue that I think happens with all of these outlets picking up a personality like an Iraq is they try and make them a part of their culture because they want their culture to become cooler instead of just letting these people do their thing. Like if someone like e got scooped up, the man should not be wearing a shirt and tie and coming into work every day. In fact, I wouldn't even let him in the office. I would just let him do his thing somewhere else. And that's, that's something that I've just learned. And I would say the same thing too with, with Crossing Broad. Like you got to keep it separate. You have to let everyone do their own shit. And sometimes we make these people uh, that are very creative assimilate to a work culture that ruins that. But that's just my last point on, on that whole thing. Before another point,
0: we have to remind the people about Carlino's.
2: <laughs> yeah, so we should stay away
1: from everything except when we are at our live podcast event tomorrow Agreed. night, Thursday night, from 7 to 9 p.m. at uh, Carlino's in Ardmore. Uh, we've been pumping it up. You can find all the details on CrossingBroad.com. Um, have a post up from yesterday. There's also an ad there with a link to Carlino's. Long story short, is tomorrow night, Thursday, January 11th, 7 to 9, Carlino's and Ardmore. We're going to be doing a live pod. Uh, at least me and Russ are. If there's some sort of like Wi Fi situation, Adam may join us. Uh, we're still trying to figure out if there will be. Um, I hope or, so. Or the logistics of it. Um, there will be a food tasting from the folks at Carlino's. Uh, from their game day menu, which is what, which is the reason they came to us. Carlino's is is doing fine as a business. They are a well known, established artisan Italian market. But one thing they would like to do is is have sports fans find out about their more casual, um, you know, mainstream game day platters, snack food, all that sort of stuff. Like we had a bottle, our bottle swap Friday night. Jeff picked up some meatballs, some cookies, some, I mean, some spreads that I've been eating all week. Um, probably unhealthily amounts of. That buffalo cheese dip spread was ridiculous. Um, so that's why they're here. You could taste all those things at our event. Also, one person at the event will get a $500 gift card for a Super Bowl bi- <clears throat> big game platter spread from the folks at Carlino's, $500 worth of food. You can have a very large party with that. Um, if you go to Crossing Look Broad, you could, check- you. <laughs> you could check out the game day menu. Um, some of the things on there just look absurdly delicious. Um, I can't do it justice with words. Just go there, look at the pictures they sent us, and then look at their menu and tell me you don't want to try that stuff. You don't want to be entered to win five hundred dollars. I think we're going to have a local brewery there with beer. Russ, do I have this right? It's not yeah, a coffee La Cabra, shop. It's a brewery.
0: LaCabra Brewing. Got it. So out La Cabra, of, uh, I believe, I believe, out of Berwyn. Out of
1: Berwyn. I did, I did not was know Berwyn, Berwyn. there was. I I go Berwyn, but I also say sure, so I don't know. Uh, Anyway, come out tomorrow night. uh, We'll be there. A good chunk of the Crossing Broad guys will be there. Maybe even E-Rock will be there. Uh, By the way,
0: just in case anybody's looking this up, wow, just in case anybody is looking it up, um, we've been saying Carlino's Market, which it is, but if you use Google Maps, that'll take you to a different location. Uh, The one that it looks like they've been putting out is 2616 East County Line Road. Uh, in Google Maps, that shows up as Carlino's, um, I think it's like artisan purveyor of foods or something like that.
1: Yeah, it's their full. So, if, all right, type in Carlino so if you, Artisan. Yeah,
0: Carlino's if you, Artisan. If you, if you uh, search it in, in Google, it's the one that's 2616 East County Line Road. At Russ least we hope. Russ always does. At least died. we hope. Yeah, that's where we're going. So,
1: um, we hope it's there, but that's where we will be live podcasting from. And if you go, go to one and
0: the lights are off, go to yeah. the other one. Yeah,
1: if you go to the one in Westchester, just uh, you're just screwed. Start drinking. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, that'll be after the three p.m. Sixers game, so that'll be cool. Um, so thanks, to Carlitos, exciting. for we'll have, sponsoring.
0: Well, have good stuff to talk about. By the way, speaking of the the Sixers in London, there have been um, I would say some pretty decent quality things put out by NBC Sports Philly, or or maybe it was the Sixers themselves uh, doing the traditional play on. Getting the young guys to figure out if something is British or not and how to say certain things. The highlight, I think, so far of all the videos, and it was one of the first ones they put out, was the word, I think it was Broly. Broly. uh, uh, Yeah, and TJ McConnell and JJ Reddick said, that looks like, does it sound like trolley? And they're like, ah, trolley with your bro. A bro trolley. It's not. Anyway, it's not as good when I say it, but there's some good content out there. Hashtag content. NBC Sports Philly does have a video up today of Mark Zumoff's Day 1 in London, where he's walking around with a selfie stick and talking about it being 8 degrees centigrade. We have reached the, I
1: don't, I don't know if dearth is the right word, but the absolute bottom of the pit of of no sports, in case you can't tell. The Eagles have... Like I don't know what other Eagles storyline there is to even discuss at this point. I, it's so odd being three days from a playoff game and just being like, just play the damn game already. We've been talk, we've just recycling storylines. Um, the Sixers obviously haven't played because they're in London. Like I just feel like we're in the middle of nothingness, which is why we are, you know, talking about sort of these off the off the wall topics. Can we um, talk
0: about how great it is that the Sixers didn't have to have the opportunity? Well, I guess they did, but, like, they didn't draft Lonzo Ball. I have had the best schadenfreude sitting back and watching the Lakers kind of self-destruct. Yeah. And Kuzma Kuzma came out in public to defend his coach, Luke Walton, who's been under attack by LeVar Ball, who I think is in Lithuania right now with his other two sons, who dropped 29 combined points in their pro debut.
1: Yeah, so... Um, this
2: is what at- I said when the draft. I said I just didn't want to deal with this shit. And it's, it's getting crazy with the Lakers. And if LeVar broke
0: his promise to Magic Johnson, like I, I know there's a very small subset of Sixers fans that for some reason think that it would have worked here. If he broke a promise to a Lakers and NBA all-time great Magic Johnson by saying that he would not be a distraction, if you really think that he would have been more afraid of Brian Colangelo's collars, you know, good on you. So uh, yeah, I I, f- I feel like with
1: Alonzo Ball thing, T- Tim wrote about it on the website yesterday how the Sixers you know really did kind of luck out because there was a scenario where Ball winds up here, and you're seeing now that he is just he's so toxic that he's he's going to ruin it all of his kid's career. It's not even a joke anymore. It's it's just going to happen, even if Alonzo uh, goes on to have a decent, you know, like a decent career, he's going to ruin a significant m- amount of his upside. I think the thing with Ball that's more more interesting of late is. Is the fact of the coaches pushing back against ESPN for covering him, and then you have outlets like The Athletic <laughs> who are dusting off their their brooches and their uh, their cuffs to uh, roll them up and put out their no ads, no autoplay video, no LeVar Ball uh, ad campaign. Which, by the way, it's seven I,
0: day free preview now.
1: With a seven day free preview followed by two fifty a month for a year's first year because we have a burn rate, we need to hit a subscriber number because that's the way things work in Silicon Valley. And everyone who works for them and is extolling the fact that they don't have to deal with business issues doesn't realize the fact that when they send emails every single day and claim no ads is one, more annoying to spam you than showing you ads on a website. And oh by the way, too, that is very much a business interest. It's just a different one than the advertising issue. You have to hit a subscriber number. Good luck with that, because you got to pay somebody their money back. Anyway, so you have them sort of like you know getting on the the high and mighty about they never talk about LeVar Ball because ostensibly they hate fun. And then I'm reading an article here from Kyle Coster on the Big Lead, um, kind of poking fun at them because I guess they their editor in chief says they have an official no LeVar pol- LeVar Ball policy, and yet he's gone and found at least several headlines where athletic sites have written specifically about LeVar Ball. <laughs> So they're not even all on board with their own policy. No one can resist the urge of LeVar. Um, the
0: athletic. Look at you. Look at you.
1: You know, like,
2: I, I don't that, want- Can that be
0: a new segment? Ooh, yes. can we go back? Ooh, we used to have some good segments in the summer. I think, like look in at the you. the year needs 2000. To be one. Nah, yeah. Like, look at you. I miss walking the Kenwood Trail. That was a good one we used to do.
1: Um,. Russ, you're like the king of throwing someone off their train. Of I thought.
0: know this is like us in 2K. Jesus! By the way, how about hold the on, hold on hold, have... on, hold on, hold on. We've you gone
1: down like... it
2: again. Yeah, what are you <laughs> doing? Yeah, just,
0: just... I don't know. Look I at wanted to get you
2: distracted.
1: I wanted to get your guy. I don't. Know. I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on that because I like. On one hand, I really I respect what the athletic is doing, and I think they're doing some really good things. On the other hand, they're their ability to smell themselves that New York Times interview where the where the one of the oh. founders said they wanted to bleed newspapers dry yeah, and he kill everybody. Issue an apology yeah I mean that notwithstanding like just their whole aura I think there's they've doubled down so much and I think have so much early success on the hardcore intelligent sports fan thinking that that's everybody and those people immediately signed up because they're like, yes, we want in depth. We don't want ads. We will pay for it. And then I think with, I don't know this, but I, I suspect what they are learning as they're going here and have to uh, are spending investor a, a, a significant amount of investor money to the point where I think they sent Derek Bodner to London. Like these are the things you do when you have extra cash, but then you're turning around giving away your eight dollar subscription for two fifty like that. In every email it seems to come down another fifty cents. Um, these are business issues all these writers like oh, we don't have the old business stuff anymore. Oh, yeah, you do um, But the other part of it is I feel like they're learning that Adam and you guys at Bleacher Report know this the sports Fandom is is far and wide and the percentage of people who have time or or want to read super in-depth 2000 word articles filled with nothing but text is is it's a very it's a minority percentage of the pool of total sports fans and you know if the it's athletic wants the to take over yet. the world they have to get off a pedestal a little bit cuz occasionally there is entertaining LeVar ball stuff to talk
2: about i think it's the reaction to the pivot to video movement mm-hmm. and the pivot to video movement and this is what people still don't understand is it wasn't because people are dumb and they like videos over text and they just want to look at their phone it's because the current business model for making money off sports content is a lot more viable for video content than it is for text. You cannot sustain an entire company based off of uh, like advertisements on a web page and, and it's just it's really tough to do. Because it's the, it's one fifth of what you can make on video, and so this entire segment of the sports culture, the sports like publishing culture, took it as this insult that it was very low brow, and so you have all these people that were let go and fired, and in their mind, they thought that they were too smart for the sports industry. That's kind of why I think the Athletic had this um aura to them of, of a little bit of ego because it's like oh if you want actual writers because all of a sudden every writer that was fired in that one year time span was equal in talent like every Stuart Mandel was equal to the New York you are literally so unnecessary it is 6 30 in the morning but every writer that was fired whether you were like the York, 80th, look at you Sorry,
0: yeah, I was write. gonna say it, but I didn't want to be yeah. accused of distracting. If you anybody. were, if
2: you were <laughs> the 80th writer at Fox Sports, you thought that you were the number one, you were as equal number one writer because you were in the same pivot to video movement. And I, I do think it's interesting that they have this whole ego thing. I also think it's a little uh, scary to go, "Oh, we're not covering this ever." And I'm sitting there going, "Okay, then." then you're not this sports journalistic integrity place. You'll never say never if you're true journalism because the moment determines your actions. You know, now you're doing it with an agenda and true journalism is never agenda driven. So we're in a very interesting time uh, of clicks and all that stuff versus journalistic integrity versus a league telling you and their coaches telling you not to cover someone which again is the complete opposite of journalism and then i would ask you as well what does journalism even exist anymore like true journalism i don't know russ I don't know. How are you gonna turn that to Russ, Kyle? That's a Kyle question. I, I
1: know well,
0: because I, because as the you know as the only resident journalist in on the <laughs> podcast. <laughs> what do you tell the kids? No, um, I no have, I, nah, go go. Ahead. Hey, wait, hold on. Let's let's yeah. turn this back to you, Kyle. You know, I know that you run a a really successful Philadelphia sports blog, the uh, CrossingBroad.com, dot com, as it were. Do you believe that journalism still exists nowadays? Uh,
1: Yeah, I like uh, your thoughts. This is a good segue into the Phillies thing, too. Um, Yeah, Uh, it's only
0: a blog, though. It's only a blog. (laughs) Let's be honest, Kyle. Your blog is not a real sports media site. It's only a blog, said some Uh, old guy at the Phillies.
1: So, yeah, so uh, so first, so first, so Adam, your point about uh, them hiring, um, like everybody being caught up in this, and when the Athletic hires the local metro reporter who got caught up in this, and they get hired, like oh wow, this person must be great. The Athletic picked them up, and like right. previously they were churning out high school game copy, uh, and nothing against them, but I agree with you. Everyone is sort of painted with the same brush <laughs> the minute like they they get hired by the Athletic. Um, um. And they're, by the way, going to be the first to go. Like, they, they've let go of people in Chicago, I know for a fact, because they weren't hitting their their numbers. And they had two guys covering the basketball team, and they let one of them go. So they're not above this stuff either. Um, Yeah, but so I, I don't... To answer the question, yeah, I think people just have to change what their definition is. And this is such a huge... This is such a huge topic, because it's not just about sports. And obviously, there's, you know, with all the Trump and then the political reporting and, and real news and fake news and all that, It just... It's just different. People have to understand and and old school people have to get over the fact that, you know, journalism can come in many shapes and forms. It doesn't have to come with like an ink quill pen and, and ink stains and all that. Like someone could take out their phone and do YouTube reports. And if they are getting information and verifying it and bringing it to people, then that's journalism. Or if someone is writing a blog or if someone is is doing a podcast where they, you know, in Takes the serial podcast, for example, was that journalism? Yeah, kind of, but it, it didn't look like anything anyone had ever seen before. So I think on one hand, people have to get over that. I think on the other hand, the the wave of of new media people also have to understand that there are norms um, that have made journalism like necessary. So like obviously you have Breitbart and places like that that have their their uh, opinions and stuff and stuff like that. But, but no a lot of-
0: Steve Bannon
1: right right but no Steve been no Bam Bam anymore but then there's people you know like like us like you know I would say Kevin has classed up our joint a little bit like he has got his presence and the fact that he's kind of very measured in the way he covers the Sixers and he's not afraid afraid to take shots or whatever and his style is different than mine but he has kind of gotten me sometimes double thinking before I just take like a punch a, an over-the-top shot um mm-hmm. You know, so I think that new media can also learn to clean up its act. And, you know, you may have an audience and you may entertain them and you may typically inform them. But occasionally there are times where, you know, subscribing to old norms of, of you know, double and triple verifying things and really being measured about not not that you can't be colorful, but really like picking your spots where you go after something when you, you're there's true, you're truly informed about what it is you're going after. And you're not just yelling at something to yell at something. Um you know, so I don't think it's dead. I just think it's different. And people want to declare that it's dead. And um, a big reason for that is, is, is I think, you know, one, there's these niche audiences that we talked about earlier, but there's also the whole, you know, what makes money. And kind of what makes money isn't always great journalism. But that's always been the case. The problem is, in newspapers, people used to have to buy the newspapers. They wanted to read the sports and the comics and get the TV listings. Um, but now that's not the case, and you're seeing – People are buying the you know whatever online version of those entertainment things are. Uh, that's where their attention is spent, and it makes it re- it makes the news things really hard to
0: to exist. Um, yeah. the, well, phils gotta, yeah, yeah, so the Phil's topic, yeah, go ahead. What's happening with the films? I gotta go.
2: Well, do you want to say anything else, Russ?
0: It's worldwide genocide. <laughs> um, really quick, someone tweeted John-
1: me "worldwide genocide" the other day, and I yeah. respected that.
0: Um, John Kincaid was on Elliot Shore Park's podcast, um, and I like John, I guess. Yeah, well, John, for those who don't know, Philadelphian who now lives and hosts a uh, a radio show in Atlanta, and occasionally comes back. He was actually on Kevin Kincaid's soccer podcast before talking about Atlanta United. But I John Kincaid, he, I wonder if he on. would love to be back here. I don't know. I think that was a question he's been asked a bunch, and he and he's said no. Um, Kincaid, John Kincaid was on Elliott Shore Parks's podcast, and when talking about the matchup, he said that Jim Schwartz versus Sarkazian, the um, offensive coordinator of the Falcons, is like an adult competing against a child and said that Sarkazian has managed to turn that offense from an Audi A8 into a van. I don't know if that gets me hyped or not, but what does get me hyped is thinking of the live pod at Carlino's tomorrow, 7 to 9 p.m. Can't wait to see everybody there. Back to the Phillies. See, uh, bro.
1: I bet you Adam will have a follow up on that uh, on that Kyle Shanahan take, but uh,
2: of course.
1: But uh, yeah, so the the Phils thing real quick, uh, for for those who don't know, and this is a little bit self serving, but I think it really uh, fits into everything we've just talked about. So Adam, they um, put out a, a the Iron Pigs are having an off season event at the Sands Event Center in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. And Gabe Kapler and Nick Williams, uh, a couple other people are going to be there, but Kapler is obviously the one who stands out. Uh, And this was a media invite that went out. The folks over at the good fight uh, got the invite, and they noticed there was a line that said, all working media will be able to attend, show up at this time, all that stuff. The working media line had an asterisk next to it. And at the bottom, it said, uh, at the direction of the Phillies, um, no bloggers will be allowed to attend this event. (laughs) And, uh, you know, those, those guys dug in on it. And then I dug in on it and ah, uh, like, I'm not sure what the Phil's are doing. Um, and well, it's also
2: an, what the fuck is a blog anymore?
1: If that, that is the, the argument. It's not that they don't We're want to get
2: certain... into semantics. They're going to lose because you have a website, not a blog. Technically.
1: Right. And what is Billy Penn? And what is, what right. is the athletic? Right. And you know, it's, They are still and the interest the reason is so interesting is because last year um, Leslie goodell did a bunch of stuff for our site and she might again this year and At the time I said hey, this would be cool But just so you know before we even try and do this the Phillies hate me like like won't even I can't even get on Their email distribution list every other team around here You could get on the email distribution list or get a response for someone and for years like the Phillies, It was like we didn't exist even though I knew they you know They kind of actively disliked what we did So she met with them, and it just so happened that last year they had an organizational shift where they decided we are going to embrace um, new media. And they were not only open to the idea, I think they were excited about the idea because it allowed them to um, work with a blog like us without maybe, you know, kind of dip their toe into that water because, you know, Leslie would be there, you know, on on our behalf and not, you know, me, right. right, Or not, you know, some kid or something like that. So I think they were excited about, I know they were excited about it. I know they were, you know, mostly happy with what she did. I mean, it was mostly positive stuff and she had some, some good stories. She even delved into like their social media team and this whole new focus. So I know that as of last year, they had like woken up and decided, okay, we need to change the way we do things around here. We have our fan base is old. baseball has the oldest fans. We are late to the game in analytics. We are late to, this is separate, but we're late to the game and embracing new and social media. We really need to get up to speed because our fan base, you know, 54 year old, um, you know, white guys is, is not a sustainable future for our fan base. Um, so, you know, I was under the impression that they had kind of moved past this whole thing and I totally get if they don't want certain people there. And Maybe potentially me and I wasn't going anyway to ask Gabe Kapler, you know, about his awkward writings and stuff the way Howard Eskin did. I get that there's probably a sensitivity there and they don't want to open him up to that because there's just a little bit too much fodder at the moment. But to just throw a blanket blogs thing is absurd. Like they sent it to the Good Fight, are the Good Fight and Philly's Nation and you know the, the guy who does the um, you know, John uh, Stolsky, I, I, the Felsky Files podcast, John Stolness, like. He's, he's new media. Should he not be there? These guys cover the Phillies better than anyone, or as good as anyone, or as hardcore in depth as
2: anyone. Do you and, think this bleeds into the actual Phillies and the actual season?
1: Well, I'm guessing that if they're not going, if they're restricting blogs from a minor league team's off season Q and A at a convention center where I I would assume normal fans are are welcome or are able to pay or win tickets to attend. You know which you can get into anyway if you really wanted to if they're not letting credential media show up at an event where they could just buy it like a, a ticket and and potentially ask questions i can't i can't imagine they're going to be any better with with game credentials and all that stuff um but it's not even just a, it's not about that it's it's what you said it's like defining blogs like they're gonna realize that like a you know there's like four reporters ryan lawrence is is you know, gotten let go twice and for there's no fault of his own. He's pretty good. Kevin Cooney, let go. Megan Monte Montez Zomaro, who is I don't I don't know how to pronounce her name. Uh who is now doing stuff for the athletic. She got she got let go from her position. Um Leslie Goodell, who covered the phillies on a daily base for Comcast, got let go from Comcast. Like or, you know, didn't renew her contract, whatever. All these people who used to cover the Phillies on a daily basis are no longer there. Billy Penn just laid off their sport you know, their sports guy. Philly.com is behind a paywall and just, you know, continuously losing people through attrition and buyouts and all that stuff. So if they're only gonna let real reporters in, I think they're gonna like realize one day, and it might be at this event that oh holy shit, there's there's Jim Salisbury, there's Todd Zelecki, who's been here forever and writes for MLB.com, and there's David Murphy and Mac Gelbin. Is, is does anyone else cover the team? Like you can't you can't just throw this like blanket thing over new media and be like, "Hey, you can't be here because and, it's it's half the media right
2: now." And Let, let me ask you this question: "Quote unquote 18, media." Yeah, that, well, this is the thing. If you are the media that is allowed in, isn't it the media's responsibility to fight for a free press that all can cover? And then I'd also ask you this: If you're the media that's allowed in, is there a part of you that goes, "Wow"? they don't think that I'll ask the tough questions or the questions that fans want to hear and they're okay with me coming in because they don't view me as a threat. I don't know if I want to be allowed in if all of a sudden they go, oh, wow. I mean, I I would just, I would kind of take it as an insult. Oh, like you don't think that I'll ask the fact that your current manager who had a blog... Talked about some really interesting things, and maybe we'd like to talk about it. I just I think it's an insult to the media as a whole, and I think it's also an insult to the media that's actually invited. That's a good point, point. and th- this has
1: always been my my issue too. People always say, "Hey, do you, do you get credentials?" Or you know, like people I just meet and I, "Hey, what do you do?" And I tell them like, "Oh, do you go to a lot of games?" And I'm usually like, "No," and people are always like, "Well, why?" You know, don't you want to be there? And my thing has always been, "Oh, yes and no," because being This is the thing the Phillies don't get um, and I, I don't think a lot of teams get. Once you let people in, you know, you make it really difficult for us to continue taking our pot shots, right? So if we have a large audience and we could take pot and as much as anyone says, I will, I will still go there and still take my pot shots the people I have to walk by every day, you know, you're lying, right? you it doesn't mean you're not going to be critical, but you will you will find yourself pulling punches. I've I have done it in certain situations. Everyone has if Everyone you know, has. there's someone I would, you know, write very colorfully about Ruben Amaro. But if I had to see him every day, I'm sure that would change. And a lot of old school journalism people would point to the fact that like, hey, that's, you know, that's the way it should be. And maybe it should. On the flip side of that is when you are closer to a situation like that, um, you know, you do begin to get, you know, kind of brought into the, the corralling of the media. And it kind of stomps on your creativity. So from from my standpoint, like we have Kevin down at the Sixers and and Anthony at the Flyers. But from my standpoint, I personally literally do like to stay away because it. I think there's so much there's so much information out there, and you are able to talk to people a lot of times without being in places where you can have an informed opinion, but still be kind of loose and free to say what you want what you want because you don't have to worry about them stopping your access. so there's there's arguments on both sides of that, but yeah i w- I would agree with you. I think you know the people who do get invited, it's like, well, you know, do they just think like I'm of no threat or am I just like such a You know color a rose colored glasses guy that you know whatever and i guess my counter to that whole thing would be the person you know the thing the question they were afraid of was asked by howard eskin about the coconut oil right and you have people like that who are is i guess as mainstream as it gets but they're they're more clowns than anybody you know and because
2: you know why because they're everyone's trying to be a website or a blog and everyone's trying to reach those younger audiences, and everyone's trying to craft that tweet with the right emojis to get some form of virality that they could show their boss that, hey, look, in this world of old media, I connect with new media. So they're all going for the same audience, and you know everyone's going to social media now. That's what's so funny, is the blogs and stuff had the biggest advantage after all of this. No matter all the technology and the and the the reach and how many people actually consume a blog versus a TV show or a radio show, in the end, everyone's dopamine is relying on how many likes and retweets they get, and it doesn't matter if you have a if you've gone to journalism school or not, and that it, it all comes back to EROC. And in the end, the people that were based online first are the ones that are going to win. And to have that notion is just ridiculous. But, you know, it, it always backfires. Dumb decisions always backfire.
1: It does, and and they're a team. Yeah, I agree with everything you just said. And the Phils are a team that, like, look, they could use the publicity right now. I mean, they can use, They need the young fan base to come along. And that's that's the part. If this is the Eagles and this is a, you don't want to let certain blogs in for a conference championship, I totally get it, right? The fills are in a situation now this is the middle of january like you want people sucked. there and what they don't realize is no one like i no, i didn't have any interest in that event but had i gotten an invite I mean, like yeah yeah why not and they would have gotten a post about gabe kapler i'm i'm not saying that like i'm just speaking it like in general here there are people who would have showed up to that event just for the hell of it like what they don't realize is that um, you know, there could be positive outcomes by bringing more people in because you get more people talking about something that is otherwise probably pretty mundane and isn't. There's, you know, there's not going to be anything that interesting to come out of an event like that. But you know, you could take these easy wins and you can embrace people and and have people talking about you in a in a positive sense when you. I don't know. I don't know what they're thinking. I'm, I'm like truly baffled by the fact that they would try and draw a distinction because. Like, there just, there really is not anymore. Like, what's a blog? What's, you know, whatever. And most people, and honestly, blogs have kind of lost their advantage, too, because so much now goes through Twitter and Facebook that, um, you know, we we rag on Jeff Skaversky right? But... I don't know exactly how many followers he's got. Let's say he's got 30 or 40,000, like he's in the ballpark of all of us. And it's like, if we're all at the same event and we all, you know, take a video of something, he now is on equal footing with bloggers who previously used to kind of own the online space because yeah, his social media following might be, you know, more or less the same. And that's the, like, that's the irony in all of this is that social media has actually leveled the playing field. I think back in the other direction. Um, you know, for those people who do know how to actually use it. The problem is no one makes money on it. That's that's
2: the real no issue. No one. Yeah, it's all self-serving prophecy of nothing. Um, I'll also, I'll <laughs> also say you. that... Look at you, social media user. Um, damn, I forgot what I was going to say. Uh, yeah, it's just... Um, the whole world is really funny, you know. I, I watch people all the time that... You know Their social media presence is, is one thing and their actual life is completely different and no one realizes it. Everyone lives on their phone and they just don't know and they just think that's how it really is. The only other thing I was going to say about not covering a team and feeling like you have more freedom, which I'm sure is something that you've had for a very long time sims and i are getting ready to go to super bowl and we had a meeting with a producer and the, and a booking person about you know who do we want and look sims takes a lot of shots on blake Bortles, and they were like look if we could get blake Bortles, would you do it i'm like fuck yeah i want to do it like let's sit down and have that conversation that's magic like that's a moment but they were like you know some of the coaches what like if he's in the super bowl Oh, that would just be incredible! Like that would be really, really great. It would be great for the show, to be honest. Like, I'm you know predicting Eagles,
1: Jaguars. By the way, just you're just out of your fucking mind. Okay.
2: That'd be incredible.
1: Give me ten to uh, one. Ten to one.
2: Yeah, I'll, t- I, I'll give it to you. Okay. Uh, dollar, but or ten, a dollar. I uh, will go with dollar. a dollar. A dollar. Yeah, that's okay. fine. Um, but I, I look at that, and they were like, "Well, you know, what coaches like? We we would hate if." Uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I said, look, here's the truth, guys. Because they were talking about we'd hate if you guys did something because we know that you're both crazy. And then we couldn't do like training camps and stuff. And I said, I'm going to be honest. I said, I don't really need to go to all these places because I enjoy not meeting people and then being able to give completely unbiased coverage. Because as soon as you meet someone like you said, it's really hard to talk shit about them. But the true thing is, is People tune in to this show, to the other show, to all shows because you can be unbiased and you tell it like it is. And as soon as you start speaking up for people solely based on personal interaction, it waters down the content. And we're at this weird point where it's like you want the people that speak the truth to be there to ask the questions. But at the same point, if it's going to change their truth, I don't know if I want them going. Right and if that makes any sense. No, definitely.
1: And it, you know, eight times out of, can you learn stuff by talking to people of course and can you ask questions? Yes. But I would say especially when it comes to something like sports where you can actually you can see just as well their performance usually even better on television or through a monitor than you can in person or by standing in front of their locker.
2: Yeah, there's a lot of distractions.
1: Right, like but like I guess my point is you can accurately assess someone from afar in sports very easily now more more so now than a year ago more so a year ago than 5 years ago and so on so occasionally yes you, you know you you do benefit by being there but to your point like you could every bit as much talk about the way Blake Bortles game without ever having to stand in front of him because you know nothing he's really going to tell you short of like look man I had like I had the runs this game <laughs> you know right. like nothing short of that is really going to explain his play other than to you know just kind of endear you to whatever his you know whatever his take on his struggles it's not going to change the way he played and the way you you analyze that for the most part um so yeah i'm with you like you can actually do this people are like well you have to be there well you you don't especially in sports because you could talk about those things and and get a better view otherwise i'm surprised they would be afraid of you guys like doesn't sims do sunday night football stuff like it's not like he doesn't have access that's
2: yeah but it's it's more like um, like we just we, we just you know we, we act like a coach our whole thing is the eye in the sky doesn't lie so if you go out there and you play like shit we're gonna say that you play like shit and we we have heard in the past that like like certain coaches listen to a lot of the podcasts and um, kind of have certain reactions and uh, they turn like we they, we've asked for certain players and it's turned down. and we're like alright it's fine like no big deal. We don't really care. Like, I don't need... Like, I've always said this. I'd rather talk to the guy that I do a podcast with for 15 minutes than interview someone for 15 minutes because I know the 15 minutes with the guy I do a podcast with is going to be entertaining. I can't guarantee that with an interview. A lot of people suck at being interviewed. And I'd say to people that are like, oh, but you need to press there because maybe you're missing the stories on these athletes' personalities and how great they are. And then I'd say, okay, well, I would like you to look at the Sixers. And I'd like you to look at how, with social media, the true personalities will always rise, like Joel Embiid. I mean, it's just I don't I don't know if you need to go deep. deep. Like it's just Markel. It, 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 Markel you know, Fultz, Fultz is, is on social media all the time. Right, his too.
1: his live Instagram or Snapchat. I guess it was Instagram last night. Uh, they're in London, and you're not going to get anything more real than him trying to do a live thing, and Joel Embiid in the background asking where the hoes are at. Send hoes, like. <laughs> You know, that's the thing people don't get is, you know, and the, the, the media, the, the old school media people hate this because they think the real, the real answer lies in the, you know, the very staged, not staged, but very, you know, controlled press conferences and scrums. No, the reality lies in when you see these guys and they take out their phone and they're sh- they're hanging out shooting the shit, and you see Embiid and Fultz walking around the King of Prussia Mall doing an Instagram live, and Fultz is carrying a bag of Annie ants. You're like, dude, stop eating that shit, right?
2: Oh, it's unbelievable. Like,
1: and you hear Embiid asking for the hose, like though that's the real guy, um, and they don't they don't appreciate that fact and they hate it because there's nothing they can do about it. Um, yeah, I don't know. I thought that was funny.
2: Yeah, no, and I think to that same point, like, why would a team like the Iron Pigs turn away any coverage?
1: They didn't. They made it clear that at oh, the okay. request of the Phillies, which is, oh, okay. which is you know, like throwing them under the bus. I'm not sure they realized they would get out the way it did, but yet it did. Um, should we talk about Amerigas real quick and, and propane, propane accessories? Of course. So we have a few days left. Um, coming up here on January 14th, today's the 10th we are going to be giving away the or announcing the winner of the 500 hundred dollar tailgating prize uh from amergas uh, Amerigas is the nation's number one propane provider available at over fifty five thousand locations locally uh, you can find their their tanks at home depot and 7-eleven i'm sure among others but i know for sure those places um they want to power i confidently say every tailgate in america they are uh, gonna we are going to choose the winner of our contest, which will give away to someone a a free grill, uh, a free portable heat lamp like, uh, that you could put on a tabletop, kind of a miniature yeah. version of those ones you would see outside a bar. Two tailgating chairs with rain slash sun shields, um, a hose to hook it all together, and $200 worth of crossing broad store apparel, uh, all good for uh, over $500 worth of stuff. You'll have your next tailgate. Uh, you'll be outfitted. You'll have all the equipment you need. You'll just need to get a propane tank and some hot dogs, and, and boom, you have a tailgate uh, or wherever else you want to grill outdoors uh, coming up in the spring and summer. The spring is not that far off. We, I think we've, we've turned a corner here, maybe. Probably not. We probably got eight more weeks of horrible winter, but you get the point. Um, so thanks to Amerigas for sponsoring. There is still time to enter. So go to crossingbroad.com/forward/slash/backslash slash, slash, whatever you know which slash it is. Amerigas uh, that'll take you to the page. All you got to do is putting your name, email address, and zip code. That's it. And they just want to know where you're coming from, and um, you'll be entered to win the you'll be entered to win the contest. That's all you got to do. After this one is over, we're going to have another contest uh, starting next week for month number two working with Amerigas. Uh, Where we're going to ask people to find an AmeriGas tank, whether you have one or you see one one somewhere, and take the most glorious, beautiful Instagram or Twitter shot and tweet it. And whoever takes the most ironic, iconic, beautiful shot of their AmeriGas propane tank will be entered to win something really cool. What that is yet, we don't know, but uh, we got another cool one coming up. So um, they're you know good fun contest, um, and they want they want you they want to power everything in your lives with AmeriGas propane, and uh, I don't blame them. Should we talk about this uh, quote from Russ, from uh, Schwartz versus Sarkeesian? Yes. And and I know early in the year we talked probably before or after week one about how the Falcons had fallen off from last year, and a lot of that had to do uh, with losing Kyle Shanahan and yep. how the offense was going to – you know, gonna work. You know they had a dominant running game and and Matt Ryan had a career year last year. So talk to me a little bit about uh, this quote and about how the Falcons are not the offense far from the offensive juggernaut they were last year. And right now they're doing it with their defense.
2: Yeah, it's <coughs> sorry, extra divorce uh, this morning. Yeah, that was bad. Um, what's happened is the simplicity of the Falcons offense, uh, it's it's so easy to see. When you watch last year, there was so many different formations. There was so much movement. Uh, Julio Jones would get the John Gruden treatment where he goes, look at Julio, man, he's over here. He's on the left. He's on the right. He's in the slot. He's in the backfield. And this year, it's just they don't move around the wide receivers a lot. The offense is very simple. Uh, I mean, they're they're averaging around like 22 points a game. And this is a team that was like in the thirties last year. Uh, So it's been the thing that I I don't think people realize, I really genuinely believe this Eagles Falcons game will be like Bill's Jaguars. It could be in the 10 to three range. And the reason I say that is because the Falcons defense might be the fastest in the NFL. Their middle linebacker, Dion Jones is one of the best middle linebackers in the NFL right now. They have really good corners Keanu Neal is a, is a... I think he's an all-pro. I don't think he was a pro bowler, which never makes sense. But I know that in the first two years of a career, no one's forced more fumbles uh, at the safety position than Keanu Neal. Uh, their D-line, uh, they have some speed. Grady Jarrett is a really good interior lineman. Um, and he, he had three sacks in the Super Bowl against the Patriots, and he was all over the field last week. But their offense... They lost their starting guard, uh, Levitre, last week. So they're a little bit uh, weak there. Alex Mack is still a baller at center. Um, And then you look at their weapons. They have some weapons. It's just the offensive system. To Matt Ryan's credit, uh, he has been more mobile this year than last year. And I think it's because he realized, oh, shit, this offense just isn't as good. Last year, you'd watch the film and you'd go, I mean, these there's no one near these receivers. Like, Matt Ryan won the MVP, but I don't think he actually had to do a lot. I think Matt Ryan is actually more impressive this year than he was in his MVP season, if that makes any sense. Because he's kind of having to do it all by himself. So Matt Ryan's going to excuse me, have to get on the run and move against an Eagles defense where I think the Rams defense we got very excited about. But they're a little bit smaller, because. Oh, excuse me, I'm gonna take a sip.
1: You all right,
2: Kyle. You all right. <laughs> Holy shit!
1: If this is you dying, I don't know what I can even do from this end right now. We're just gonna capture the already. audio. We're gonna we're gonna that John Paul guy or whatever that blogger's name is.
2: In the arms of an angel. Uh. In the arms right. of angels, Envy. Okay, that was good. All right. Yeah, that first sit went right into my lung. Never get divorced before the podcast. Ever. Um, <laughs> the The Rams' defense is aggressive. And they have Aaron Donald, and all that stuff. But they're made to play for bad. <laughs> this is unbelievable. Kids, don't do... Anything. Um, so, because they're undersized, they're made to play from ahead. So, the Rams offense gets them the lead, and then Aaron Donald and Robert Quinn get to pin their ears back and attack the quarterback. The problem is, is the Falcons are notoriously good early game starters. They get a lead, they try and milk the clock, and they try and void what happened to them in the Super Bowl, which is what happened to them last week again. So... Uh, The Eagles, though, are the number one run defense in the NFL. And the Rams were like 16th to 20th. I forget where they finished. Fletcher Cox and Timmy Jernigan and Brandon Graham and Vinny Curry are four guys that they can get to the passer, but they can also all stop the run. And I can't say that about the Rams. The problem with the Rams is Aaron Donald shoots upfield. That's very good. Problem is, is that allows you to run behind it. And so I look at the Eagles and expect them to be able to shut down the run. I really do. My only concern in this game, Kyle, is the double move. Because I can just see it now. I can see Darby or Jalen Mills biting on, a, on an out and up. And the question is, Matt Ryan, who has not thrown great deep balls all season. He really hasn't. Will he connect? I think there's going to be two or three long throws for Matt Ryan. And if they complete three, the Eagles lose. If they complete two, it's a dogfight. If they only complete one, I think the Eagles win. And if they complete none, I really think the Eagles win. That's really what I think is going to happen in this game is, can the Eagles not bite on double moves? And please, Jim Schwartz, Please don't think that you need to prove to America that you deserve to be a head coach and dial up the Seattle Seahawks' cover zero all-out blitz to prove that you can sack the quarterback and win the game on defense. Stop it. Your defense is good enough to sit back. Bill Belichick in the playoffs rushes three and drops eight. The best coaches... Rush three and drop eight. That's what LeBeau did. That's what Tomlin does. You do not need to do an all-out blitz, especially with cornerbacks that bite. It's unnecessary. That's really for me the key to stopping this offense because I think the Eagles' defense is good enough to do it by themselves. And on these deep
1: plays, hopefully, it looks like the weather's not going to be much of a factor. I was rooting for you know neutralizing weather, maybe maybe yeah, we I want get rain. Maybe we can get that in the conference uh, championship if they get there. But it looks like it's going to be windy. And it looks like it's Ooh. going to start out in the low 50s or high 40s. By later that night, it's going into the 20s. So temperatures will be going down throughout the game. So you could have the situation where you have kind of an incoming cold front with a lot of wind. And I, honestly, I don't know if that works in the Eagles' favor because, you know, it's going to impact the Falcons' deep game and, and certainly the, you know, the, the occasional long, um, you know, Julio Jones or Sanu ball. On the other hand, you got Nick Foles thrown into the wind, and yeah, you know, I could just, I just see him throwing like those out routes, and the ball just getting blown back into a uh, into a, the know, waiting arms the, of a corner.
2: The saddest thing about Foles is that
1: he's boring. Um,
2: he get he throws like a really shitty pass, and then there's that moment where he like looks to the bench, and it looks like with his eyes he's saying, "I'm sorry." like he looks sad
1: like a dog who peed on the couch
2: yeah like he just he looks like look i'm just i I just i i didn't have it there and i think he's somewhere between executing in the red zone against the giants and what we've seen the two weeks after that um the falcons are going to be tough but you beat the falcons by pounding the rock and kyle there was one running back in the regular season that ran for over 100 yards against the Falcons. Only one. And you know who it was? Jay Ajayi. Jay Ajayi. It was honestly, when when the Eagles traded for Ajayi, that was the game that I went, oh no, he still has it. And when you really watch it, that man was just pounding 12 yards, 12 yards, 12 yards. That was one of the two games the Falcons absolutely blew this year, that and the Bills game. They did not have great success against the AFC East. And in both games, the Falcons were up 17, and the other team just ran the ball the entire second half. And that's the advice that I would give to the Eagles coaching staff, would be, Doug, you just watched your other your your former head coach, Andy Reid, Run the ball 11 times with Kareem Hunt and throw a lot and get away from it. Pound the rock. This is a defense that is fast, and Nick Foles will be in trouble. I just They're going to cover everything well, and the Eagles, their, their wide receivers are all slow enough that they're going to get covered. Pound the fucking rock. Control the flow keep the Falcons offense off the field and ruin their flow and run the ball. Corey Clement, Jay Ajayi, and then LeGarrette Blunt in the second half. So it's I mean
1: I am usually I usually argue against the, the pound the rock because I think you know, I think to truly be successful, regardless of who the quarterback, this particular offense, this team, this coach, they wanna you know, they're built to throw the ball. Um but right. I, I kinda tend to I kinda tend to agree with you for this game. Um, because you know, let's face it, the Falcons do have a, a, a better weapons on offense without Carson Wentz. You know, the Falcons still have a better offense, even though it wasn't what it yeah. used to be. They have they have more weapons, they're more established. I think there's more they could do to hurt you. Um, both teams have a good defense, so if you're playing at home, you know, let's use that to our advantage. Let's just try and win a slugfest. I think the Eagles are, are probably better equipped to do so. I and mean, The running defense is is elite. Um. You kind of scoffed when I said Eagles-Jaguars, and I understand why. You know, they're probably number five and six now or six and seven. Well, more
2: Eagles than Jaguars.
1: Yeah, okay. Um You know, I, I guess what I would say is when you look around, like, look at the Vikings. So I guess you were, I, I was under the impression you were scoffing as much at the Jaguars. Um,
2: no, I think the Jaguars are really talented. But like, when you look at, I'd say the Eagles, Vikings, and
1: Jaguars, you have three, arguably the three most, you know, feared defenses this year in different ways. Obviously it's not the Eagles secondary, but their ability to get after the quarterback is second to none, literally. Um, and it just feels like after watching that round of wild card games, and I know you didn't have the, the bye teams playing, then you look at the bye teams, and it's the Eagles and Vikings on one side, where the Vikings certainly have a capable offense. I, I still, like, I'm still not sold on their offense. Um, I'm still not sold on Case Keenum, and maybe that's unfair. Uh, I know they have some weapons, but I, I just feel like this seems like one of those years where you're. Um, you know, you're missing a, a truly elite team, even on the other side. The Patriots are, a, they always appear to be a shell of their former selves until the postseason. So maybe they're hard to write off. But I'm not like, the Steelers offense this year wasn't, they, it took them a while to find their footing. And, yeah. you know, they weren't quite as well-oiled and consistent as they had been in years past. So I, I don't like to me, I I feel he's like going to be one of those years where defense wins out and you have teams like the Jaguars on one side who are truly elite and the Vikings who are truly elite and the Eagles who are maybe not all around truly elite, but at least on the front, um, you know, are as good as anyone and are going to be able to be playing at home against no, you know, no offense that that defense can't beat. That's the thing. It's not like they got to go up against the Patriots or go up against Premier Aaron Rodgers or or Zeke and Dak when you know they were kind of firing on all cylinders at certain points like no the worst the Eagles are gonna have to get is a watered down Falcons offense and probably probably the Vikings and that's why I like I prefer the Vikings matchup more than the Saints for no other reason than by virtue of it possibly being a very low scoring game you don't there's not as much chance for disaster. Does that make right. sense? Like, I feel like against the Saints, oh, it, could be, it could be a 20-point game before you know it if the defense doesn't get the upper edge. But if they don't right. get the upper hand against the Vikings early, it might just be 10-3 at halftime. And, you know, regardless of what defense you're playing, I always feel like if you could be within – obviously, if you could be within one score, you're just one broken play away. And to me, like, it's easier to neutralize your gap in talent when it's a low-scoring game than, than going up an, uh, against an offense like the Saints that can be downright scary.
2: For sure. I would say this. I would say that the Vikings' offensive line right now is better than all the other teams in the NFC since the Saints just lost to Andrews Pete, broken fibula, which is huge. Um, I'd also say that their wide receivers are better than most teams. The, the because Adam I'm just gonna say it, because Adam Thielen is white, he's seen as someone that like is exceeding his potential and this isn't something that can be sustained. I don't see receivers running away from cornerbacks with the gaps that Adam Thielen is doing. He is a legit number one receiver in the NFL. And Stefan Diggs is an absolute stud. Kyle Rudolph, they got two good backs. The only issue is the name of their quarterback is Case Keenum. And I would argue that if his name was Alex Smith, that we would go, oh man, they could do it. And I think they're equal. Like, I genuinely believe right now that Case Keenum and Alex Smith are equal. And it's just because Case Keenum, we saw him on the shitty Rams last year. And I'll ask the question again. Why does Jared Goff get a reprieve because his coach was Jeff Fisher, but Case Keenum is still Case Keenum? Um, I don't get it. Nick Foles kind of gets caught up in that wash, too. So got to be careful there. Yeah, but the problem is is that – With Nick Foles, I think, in the last two games. Like, Nick Foles, and then he played the Giants, and we're like, shit, yeah. And then, maybe, I'm hoping it was because the Raiders game and the the Cowboys game were that cold. But the, the true thing is, is the Eagles can absolutely go to the Super Bowl. They can. They can. The problem is, is that a lot of us are still recuperating from losing Carson. And, um... There's, there's the pendulum swings so hard from they have no fucking chance to. Are you kidding me? They have home field advantage. The Falcons are a very good team for the Eagles to play because it's going to be very close. I just at this point, you know, it's it, this isn't like Alabama where the quarterback sucks and our backup goes in and all of a sudden he's good. Um, in the NFL, if you don't have a capable thrower of the football. It's, it's hard to do anything, but I haven't officially made my pick yet. I don't know which way I'm going to go here, um, but the, it's you know it's going to be a fucking close game, and it, it should be entertaining. I'm excited for
1: it. A real-time fact check just to needle you on your, your Case Keenum. Yeah. I believe early in the season you would put Alex Smith in your top five when he was after a few weeks, I believe.
2: Oh, for sure. But I think um, – Look, man, the the Kansas City Chiefs were the best team in the NFL after five weeks. And then all of a sudden, everyone discovered that the cornerbacks play eight yards off. And Alex Smith, um, two things happened this year. And let let me ask you if they're correlated. One, Tom Brady was playing really well when Jimmy Garoppolo was on the team. And I thought that he was playing young again. And all of a sudden, he's not playing that young again. And then... Pat Mahomes was drafted by the Chiefs, and Alex Smith in the first five weeks was taking shots down the field. And then all of a sudden, there wasn't a threat from Patrick Mahomes anymore, and Alex Smith regressed from bombs away to Charlie Checkdown. And that was always my issue with Alex Smith is we would watch the film and we'd go, did he complete the five yard pass? Sure. But did he double pump and not throw the 40 yard pass to Tyreek Hill because he was afraid? Yes. And that was always my issue with Alex Smith. He's always smart. He's always efficient, but he doesn't take the shot. And I would say. Look at anyone like go look at the case Keenan footage from Thanksgiving when he stood in the pocket against the Lions and absolutely threw a perfect 30 yard frozen rope in the end zone. I just think case right now. I'm not saying case is a top five quarterback by any means like in the NFL. I'm just saying that he's in the top 15 and that's good enough to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Um, Like, Blake Bortles is not in the top 15. Nick Foles is not in the top 15. But the other quarterbacks that are alive right now are Ben, Breeze, uh, Ryan. um, Brady. Brady. They're all Mariota. Mariota's right on that 15, too. Like, I would... uh, I have been such a Mariota hater for so long, and I declared after that wild card game I'm not going to hate on him again, because. But the thing that always frustrates me, Kyle, is when you draft Marcus Mariota, you sold me on the fact that his running ability is part of his uh, his deadliness, and he did he never fucking ran. And then the last two weeks, he ran 10 times against Jacksonville for 60 or 80, and then he ran eight times for 50 against Kansas City. And I went, see, this is the Mariota that I can get behind, you know, and that that would be the same thing I'd say about Blake Bortles. We said on on the last show we just did, Blake Bortles needs to be a wildcat running back. He, they should run him seven to eight times a game. He's more valuable that
1: way. Yeah, but I think the thing is, and maybe why you saw this from Mariota late in the season is you can't. I mean, you can't do this all season because you probably gonna get hurt. I mean, most guys aren't Russell Wilson, who just seem to like yeah. be a cat but, but here's with the nine thing. lives.
2: Carson. Carson Wentz, I don't want to run because he's shown the ability to beat people strictly from the pocket. Mariota has not shown that ability. So guess what? We're going to have to risk you a little bit. You need to be good at sliding and getting out of bounds, and we need to be good at calling plays to put you in safer situations, whether it's naked bootlegs or options where you feel confident. But Mariota, in my mind, has not shown the ability to beat teams from the pocket. So if you go to, like, I'll be honest, that was my issue with Donovan McNabb for the second half of his career. And I think that's the issue of a lot of people is McNabb wanted to prove to everybody that he was a pocket passer. And we all kind of knew that the reason McNabb had success from the pocket early on is because teams felt the need to spy making an 11 on 10 because they were afraid of his running ability. And as soon as he stopped running, it was like you're an average quarterback with Andy Reid's scheme. And so I I put Mariota in that world. I it still obsesses me. It sets me that Donovan McNabb took those Rush Limbaugh comments to heart and he stopped running. It really did.
1: Um, while we're dialing it back to McNabb, last thing I like, can we talk about it, the being right about Andy Reid? I know this is a, a typical yeah. Philly sports conversation, but. Jesus Christ, like, th- you you had your people at Cowherd who, uh, as recently as a couple months ago, banged on Philly for running Reed out of town, even invoked Terry Francona, which was ridiculous, even invoked Jay Wright, which is probably more ridiculous, um, you know, because the amount of people who actually cared in Philly, like, there were some Nova people who wanted to run Jay Wright out, not Philly at large, Philly at large actually embraced him, but, um, like... Y- I don't know what to say about Andy Reid. Every year, every year, and you saw it after the Patriots game earlier this season. Oh, he's an offensive genius. This guy's a genius. He's one of the best coaches in the NFL. He doesn't get his due just because he hasn't won the big one. And yet every year, like clockwork, he does something in the playoffs or something at some point in the regular season. They get people to remember, oh, yeah, that's Andy. he 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 turns the stone. I don't know if it's big moments, but in certain situations, he just turns to stone and does something so, so inexcusable or manages to blow a lead. I mean, what is he like? What is he like? One and seven in his last eight playoff games, something like that.
2: Yeah. So my, I'm so torn on this because I think it's like to go to Jay Wright, evaluating college basketball coaches on national championships. Like there was a time when Bill Self was a shitty coach because he couldn't get out of the second round, and I, still I think he is, he is a shitty
1: coach. But okay,
2: I, I think he's really good. Uh, maybe it's because my dad used to have Bill Self coaching tapes that we would watch when we were younger. Um, I'm not even kidding. I learned the diamond in one press from Bill Self. You show you how to put um, on your hair? No, never mind. No, that that toupee yeah. is definitely real. Uh, but I I look at at that and I go. Why, like, if a coach is constantly having good regular seasons, I find the NCAA tournament to be a tough arbiter of whether or not you're a great coach because crazy stuff happens in the tournament, and it's just funny how we forget 35 games of coaching for a six game tournament. You know, like I've just, oh, like if you're winning uh, Big Ten or Big Twelve championships, so I look at Andy Reid and I go. I'm torn because I do believe he's a very good coach because there are really only a handful of coaches that have sustained the success that he has. But I will say that it's tough when you think about the Andrew Luck coming back from 28 points in the playoffs four years ago. When you think about this past year, this game that just happened where you're up 21-3 to at halftime, Uh, all of the Eagles games... (laughs) and then you think about the all patriots games Just with the clock every mat, like one. all all of the the NFC championship games that ended like that I know. but like it's tough too cuz i look at this titans game and i go the titans started the second half with an eight excuse me an eight and a half minute drive that ended on fourth down with a quarterback catching his own pass and all the momentum shifted. And then you go out there and you run three plays and and you put it back and then the Titans do another drive. And it's like Andy Reid's the offense. You know, what the defense could have stopped. Like, Derrick Henry had 151 of his 156 rushing yards in the second half. Andy Reid coaches the offense. and But then again, if I'm a Chiefs fan and the guy that he turned the play calling over to at the end of the year, Matt Nagy, that you're all excited about he becomes the head coach of the bears and you're sitting there yet again with andy reed and another crippling playoff loss and it wouldn't even register in like the top three disappointing reed playoff losses (laughs) and it's hard to to look at him and go i feel good about this i will say patrick mahomes is a fucking freak and I'm so excited to watch him for Chiefs fans, but from an Andy Reid perspective, yeah, it, it's a really hard career
1: to evaluate. And but st- regardless of the situ- you know, the situation, they had a lead almost from jump in that game. And again, like I know it's an easy storyline, but to have Hunt come out of that with eleven touches, eleven runs when you're up more than one score for a a majority of the game, like it's inexcusable it's inexcusable it really is wow. and i mean this is it's not like it's easy to bang on the rung thing and i i don't have as much of an issue with the run pass breakdown when they win yeah, or neither do I. but when you're up more than one score and you come out of that game throwing 30 to 13 or whatever it, it worked out to be somewhere in that range it's 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 just maddening and the thing <laughs> like i I have a little bit, I'll take a little bit of issue with your basketball analogy, with your tournament okay. analogy, only because the random nature, in, in terms of like random sporting events, the NCAA tournament's got to be up there with, and then the MLB playoffs. Um, you know, baseball is such a sport that the, the cream rises over long sample sizes, and especially those five-game wildcard series. Football's different. Football's a sport where it's a little bit, it's and basketball, to be fair, but football, of all the sports, is the most predictable in terms of, you know, talent, and, like, you can really look at two teams and a specific matchup and look at the Vegas line and really get a sense for what should or could happen, more than any other sport. Hockey and baseball are have the most variance because a hot goalie or a, a good pitching outing can negate everything else basketball is a little bit unique and you know the nba is kind of predictive you know predictable you know the eighth place seed is is not going to beat the warriors over the course of seven games but the ncaa tournament is weird because you have teams who have never seen each other and it's a do it's a one do or die game and you're playing you got to rattle off six wins um you know the nfl playoffs are different like i get that it's do or die but it's a sport I don't know, like you see these teams, you have books on these teams, you're playing teams in your conference. The amount of times things just go completely haywire for Andy Reid is is beyond the point of sort of like fluke at this point. And while I agree with you, this wasn't one of his top three worst playoff losses, yeah. which is saying a lot considering you blew an eighteen point lead at home in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, that you know, that to me tells the story right there. But it's just incredible how his teams, there always seems to be an excuse. You know, Joe Jaravicious, and you got this, and you got that. and Like, you run into a hot Kurt Warner in 2008. Like, it's, you know, it's just there's always something. But my God, like, his inability to to just, like, it just seems to cripple in the moment. I, I Like, I feel like we're going back 10 years and talking about this stuff, but I don't know. Like, I, and this is what I, you know, this is, I impart, my fears about Reed onto Doug Peterson, that there's going to be a moment and Doug, it's not the clock stuff. He seems to have a handle on the clock, but he has shown at least in a few circumstances thus far that he has that same sort of Andy Reed bug where you just make a weird decision in a pivotal moment in the game. Uh, that's, you know, like that's sort of, I'm just imparting that fear on Peterson. But my um, God, um, Andy yeah. Reid! Like I'm so glad the nation is finally—and this, you know, happened a couple of years ago. Finally, seeing, okay, we get, we get Philly's angst here. We get why they ran him out of town because he just seemed to yep. come up small in every big situation. And Everyone. to end
2: that, to end that. I have a really good friend at work uh, that's a Kansas City Chiefs fan, and I, I just came into the office on Monday and I sat at his desk, and he turns to me and he goes, "I understand." why you felt that way about Andy Reid for so long. And it it made me feel kind of good <laughs> because like you and like a lot of Eagles fans, I felt pretty fucking dumb going through the Chip Kelly stuff and the beginning of Peterson and watching Andy Reid do this and hearing national pundits kind of just heap dirt onto the funeral that was Philly's common sense that we would run someone like this out of town. And to have a Chiefs fan look at me and go i get it now it it, it was kind of cathartic i gotta be honest
0: there you go
2: i think that's a good place to end yep uh at at crossing broad at joy on broad i am at adam Lufko thursday night uh it is going to be at carlino's uh check it out we're gonna be doing a live show what time should they get there kyle
1: Uh, I would, I, Carlino's will actually be closed when we're doing the show, so I don't know what time they close. So definitely get there by seven. I don't think they're going to turn you away. Uh, if, I'm not sure if they close at six or seven. I'm sure Carlino's would be happy to have people there and would be happy to deal with the issue of. Cool. People there with their wallets who want to spend stuff. But get there at 7. Get there by 7.
2: It's going to be fun. There's going to be drinking. We're going to be shooting the shit and talking sports. Hopefully we figure this out and I can be able to Skype in from New York. And I'll I'll try and make my background uh, somewhat festive. Uh, but it, it'll be a great time. So check it out. All the information will also be on Crossing Broad. Uh, until then, much love. Hit us up on iTunes, Five Star Review, and we appreciate it. For Kyle, for us, I am Lefko, and we will holler at y'all on Thursday night.